Act Three of the Love Tiff by Moliere, translated by Henri Van Laun. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three, Scene One, Mascarille alone. Heaven sometimes favors a bold design. We must get out of a bad business as well as we can. As for me, after having imprudently talked too much, the quickest remedy I could employ was to go on in the same way, and immediately to tell to our old master the whole intrigue. His son is a giddy brain mortal, who worries me. But if the other tells what I have discovered him, then I had better take care, for I shall get a beating. However, before his fury can be kindled, some lucky thing may happen to us, and the two old men may arrange the business between themselves. That is what I am going to attempt. Without losing a moment, I must, by my master's order, go and see Albert. Knocks at Albert's door. Scene two. Albert Mascari. Who knocks? A friend. What brings you hither, Mascarille? I come, sir, to wish you good morning. Ah, you really take a great deal of pains. Good morning, then, with all my heart. He goes in. The answer is short and sweet. What a blunt old fellow he is. Knocks. What? Do you knock again? You have not heard me, sir. Did you not wish me good morning? I did. Well, then, good morning, I say. Is going. Mascarille stops him. But I likewise come to pay Mr. Polydor's compliments to you. Ah, oh, that is another thing. Has your master ordered you to give his compliments to me? yes i'm obliged to him you may go tell him i wish him all kinds of happiness exit this man is an enemy to all ceremony knocks i have not finished sir giving you his whole message he has a favour to request of you well whatever he pleases i am at his service mascarille is stopping him stay and allow me to finish in two words he desires to have a few minutes' conversation with you about an important affair, and he will come hither. Hey, what affair can that be which makes him wish to have some conversation with me? A great secret, I tell you, which he has but just discovered, and which, no doubt, greatly concerns you both. And now I have delivered my message. Scene 3. Albert Alone Righteous heavens! How I tremble! Polidor and I have had little acquaintance together. My designs will all be overthrown. This secret is, no doubt, that of which I dread the discovery. They have bribed someone to betray me. So there is a stain upon my honor which can never be wiped off. My imposture is found out. Oh, how difficult it is to keep the truth concealed for any length of time. How much better would it have been for me and my reputation had I followed the dictates of a well-founded apprehension? Many times and oft have I been tempted to give up to Polydor the wealth I withhold from him, in order to prevent the outcry that will be raised against me whenever things shall be known, and so get the whole business quietly settled. But alas, it is now too late. The opportunity is gone, and this wealth— which wrongfully came into my family, will be lost to them, and sweep away the greatest part of my own property with it. Scene 4. 
Albert Polydor. Polydor not seeing Albert. To be married in this fashion, and no one knowing anything about it. I hope it may all end well, but I do not know what to think of it. I much fear the great wealth and just anger of the father. But I see him alone. Oh, heavens, yonder comes Polydor. I tremble to accost him. Fear keeps me back. How shall I begin? What shall I say? He is in a great passion. He changes color. I see, Signor Albert, by your looks, that you know already what brings me hither. Alas, yes. The news, indeed, may well surprise you, and I could scarcely believe what I was told just now. I ought to blush with shame and confusion. I think such an action deserves great blame, and do not pretend to excuse the guilty. Heaven is merciful to miserable sinners. You should bear this in mind. A man ought to behave as a Christian. That is quite right. Have mercy. For heaven's sake, have mercy, Signor Polidor. It is for me to implore it of you. Grant me mercy. I beg it on my bended knees. I ought to be in that attitude rather than you. The two old men are kneeling opposite to one another. Pity my misfortune. After such an outrage, I am the postulant. Your goodness is heart-rending. You abash me with so much humility. Once more, pardon. Alas, I crave it of you. I am extremely sorry for this business. And I feel it greatly. I venture to entreat you not to make it public. Alas, Signor Albert, I desire the very same. Let us preserve my honor. With all my heart. As for money, you shall determine how much you require. I desire no more than you are willing to give. And you shall be the master in all these things. I shall be but too happy if you are so. Ah, oh, what a godlike man. How very kind he is. How very kind you are yourself. And that after such misfortune... May you be prosperous in all things. May heaven preserve you. Let us embrace like brothers. With all my heart, I am overjoyed that everything has ended so happily. I thank heaven for it. I do not wish to deceive you. I was afraid you would resent that Lucille has committed a fault with my son. And as you are powerful, have wealth and friends... Hey. What do you say of faults and Lucille? Enough. Let us not enter into a useless conversation. I own my son is greatly to blame. Nay, if that will satisfy you, I will admit that he alone is at fault, that your daughter is too virtuous, and would never have taken a step so derogatory to honor had she not been prevailed upon by a wicked seducer. And the wretch has betrayed her innocent modesty and thus frustrated all your expectations. But since the thing is done, my prayers have been granted. Since we are both at peace and amity, let it be buried in oblivion, and repair the offense by the ceremony of a happy alliance. Albert aside. Oh, heavens, what a mistake I have been under. What do I hear? I get from one difficulty into another as great, 
I do not know what to answer amidst these different emotions. If I say one word, I am afraid of betraying myself. What are you thinking of, Signor Albert? Of nothing. Let us put off our conversation for a while, I pray you. I have become suddenly very unwell, and am obliged to leave you. Scene 5. Polydor Alone I can look into his soul and discover what disturbs him. Though he listened to reason at first, yet his anger is not quite appeased. Now and then the remembrance of the offense flashes upon him. He endeavors to hide his emotion by leaving me alone. I feel for him, and his grief touches me. It will require some time before he regains his composure. For if sorrow is suppressed too much, it easily becomes worse. Oh, here comes my foolish boy, the cause of all this confusion. Scene 6. Polydor Valère so, my fine fellow, shall your nice goings-on disturb your poor old father every moment? You perform something new every day, and we never hear of anything else. What am I doing every day that is so very criminal? And how have I deserved so greatly a father's wrath? I am a strange man, and very peculiar to accuse so good and discreet a son. He lives like a saint and is at prayers and in the house from morning to evening. It is a great untruth to say that he perverts the order of nature and turns day into night. It is a horrible falsehood to state that upon several occasions he has shown no consideration for father or kindred, that very lately he married secretly the daughter of Albert, regardless of the great consequences that were sure to follow. They mistake him for some other. The poor innocent creature does not even know what I mean. Oh, you villain, whom heaven has sent me as punishment for my sins, will you always do as you like, and shall I never see you act discreetly as long as I live? Exit. Valère, alone musing. Whence comes this blow? I am perplexed, and can find none to think of but Masqueril. He will never confess it to me. I must be cunning and curb my well-founded anger a little. Scene 7. Valère Mascari. Mascaril! My father, whom I just saw, knows our whole secret. Does he know it? Yes. How the deuce could he know it? I do not know whom to suspect. Uh, but the result has been so successful that I have all the reason in the world to be delighted. He has not said one cross word about it. He excuses my fault and approves of my love. I would fain know who could have made him so tractable. I cannot express to you the satisfaction it gives me. What would you say, sir, if it was I who had procured you this piece of good luck? Indeed, you want to deceive me. It is I, I tell you, who told it to your father, and produced this happy result for you. Really? Without jesting? The devil take me if I jest, and if it is not, as I tell you. Valère, drawing his sword. And may he take me, if I do not this very moment reward you for it. Ah, sir, what now? Don't surprise me. Is this the fidelity you promised me? 
If I had not deceived you, you would never have owned the trick which I rightly suspected you played me. You rascal! Your tongue, too ready to wag, has provoked my father's wrath against me and utterly ruined me. You shall die without saying another word. Gently. My soul is not in a fit condition to die. I entreat you, be kind enough to await the result of this affair. I had very good reasons for revealing a marriage which you yourself could hardly conceal. It was a masterpiece of policy. You will not find your rage justified by the issue. Why should you get angry if, through me, you get all you desire, and are freed from the constraint you at present lie under? And what if all this talk is nothing but moonshine? Why, then, it will be time enough to kill me, but my schemes may perchance succeed. Heaven will assist his own servants. You will be satisfied in the end, and thank me for my extraordinary management. Well, we shall see. But Lucille... Hold. Here comes her father. Scene 8. Albert, Valère, Mascari. Albert not seeing Valère. The more I recover from the confusion into which I fell at first, the more I am astonished at the strange things Polydor told me and which my fear made me interpret in so different a manner to what he intended. Lucille maintains that it is all nonsense, and spoke to me in such a manner as leaves no room for suspicion. Ah, sir, it is you whose unheard-of impudence sports with my honour and invents this base story? Pray, Signor Albert, use milder terms, and do not be so angry with your son-in-law. Oh, son-in-law, rascal, you look as if you were the mainspring of this intrigue and the originator of it. Really, I see no reason for you to fly in such a passion. Pray, do you think it right to take away the character of my daughter and bring such a scandal upon a whole family? He is ready to do all you wish. I only want him to tell the truth. If he had any inclination for Lucille, he should have courted her in an honourable and open way. He should have acted as he ought, and asked her father's leave, and not have had recourse to this cowardly contrivance which offends modesty so much. What? Lucille is not secretly engaged to my master? No, rascal, nor ever will be. Not quite so fast. If the thing is already done, will you give your consent to ratify that secret engagement? And if it is certain that it is not so, will you have your bones broken? It is easy, sir, to prove to you that he speaks the truth. Good! There is another, like master, like man. Oh, what impudent liars! Upon the word of a man of honour, it is as I say. Why should we deceive you? Albert, aside. They are two sharpers that know how to play into each other's hands. But let us come to the proof, and without quarrelling. Send for Lucille, and let her speak for herself. And what if she should prove you a liar? She will not contradict us, sir. Of that I am certain. Promise to give you consent to their engagement, and I will suffer the severest punishment if, with her own mouth, she does not confess to you that she is engaged to Valère, and shares his passion. We shall see this presently. He knocks at his door. Mascari to Valère. Courage, sir. All will end well. Oh, Lucille, one word from you. 
Valère to Mascarie. I fear, fear nothing. Scene nine. Valère, Albert, Lucille, Mascarie. Signor Albert, at least be silent. At length, madam, everything conspires to make your happiness complete. Your father, who is informed of your love, leaves you your husband and gives his permission to your union, provided that, banishing all frivolous fears, a few words from your own mouth corroborate what we have told him. What nonsense does this impudent scoundrel tell me? That is all right. I am already honoured with a fine title. Pray, sir, who has invented this nice story which has been spread about today? Pardon me, charming creature. My servant has been babbling. Our marriage is discovered without my consent. Our marriage? Everything is known, adorable Lucille. It is vain to dissemble. What? The ardor of my passion has made you my husband. It is a happiness which causes a great many heart-burnings. But I impute the successful result of my courtship less to your great passion for me than to your kindness of heart. I know you have cause to be offended, that it was the secret which you would fain have concealed. I myself have put a restraint on my ardor, so that I might not violate your express commands. But... Yes, it was I who told it. What great harm is done? Was there ever a falsehood like this? Dare you mention this in my very presence, and hope to obtain my hand by this fine contrivance? What a wretched lover you are, you whose gallant passion would wound my honour because it could not gain my heart, who wished to frighten my father by a foolish story so that you might obtain my hand as a reward for having vilified me. Though everything were favourable to your love, my father, fate, and my own inclination, yet my well-founded resentment would struggle against my own inclination, fate, and my father, and even lose life rather than be united to one who thought to obtain my hand in this manner. Be gone, if my sex could with decency be provoked to any outburst of rage. I would let you know what it was to treat me thus. Valère to Mascarie. It is all over with us. Her anger cannot be appeased. Let me speak to her. Prithee, madam, what is the good of all these excuses? What are you thinking of? And what strange whim makes you thus oppose your own happiness? If your father were a harsh parent, the case would be different. But he listens to reason. And he himself has assured me that if you would but confess the truth, his affection would grant you everything. I believe you are a little ashamed, frankly, to acknowledge that you have yielded to love. But if you have lost a trifling amount of freedom, everything will be set to rights again by a good marriage. Your great love for Valère may be blamed a little, but the mischief is not so great as if you had murdered a man. We all know that flesh is frail, and that a maid is neither stock nor stone. You were not the first, that is certain, and you will not be the last, I dare say. What? Can you listen to the shameless talk, and make no reply to these indignities? What would you have me say? This affair puts me quite beside myself. Upon my word, madam, you ought to have confessed all before now. What ought I to have confessed? What? Why, 
what has passed between my master and you a fine joke indeed why what has passed between your master and me impudent wretch you ought i think to know that better than i you passed that night too agreeably to make us believe you could forget it so soon father we have too long borne with the insolence of an impudent lackey gives him a box on the ear scene ten albert valere mascari i think she gave me a box on the ear begone rascal villain her father approves the way in which she has made her hand felt upon your cheek maybe so yet may the devil take me if i said anything but what was true and may i lose an ear if you carry on this impudence any further shall i send for two witnesses to testify to the truth of my statements shall i send for two of my servants to give you a sound thrashing their testimony will corroborate mine their arms may make up for my want of strength i tell you lucille behaves thus because she is ashamed i tell you you shall be answerable for all this do you know omont that stout and clever notary do you know grimpant the city executioner and simon the tailor who used formerly to work for all the people of fashion and the gibbet set up in the middle of the market-place you shall see they will confirm the truth of this marriage you shall see they will make an end of you they were the witnesses chosen by them they shall shortly revenge me on you i myself saw them at the altar and i myself shall see you with a halter by the same token your daughter had a black veil on by the same token your face foretells your doom what an obstinate old man what a cursed rascal you may thank my advanced years which prevent me from punishing your insulting remarks upon the spot but i promise you you shall be paid with full interest scene eleven valere mascari well where is now that fine result you were to produce i understand what you mean everything goes against me i see cudgels and gibbets preparing for me on every side therefore so that i may be at rest amidst this chaos i shall go and throw myself headlong from a rock if in my present despair i can find one high enough to please me farewell sir no no in vain you wish to fly if you die i expect it to be in my presence i cannot die if anybody is looking on it would only delay my end follow me traitor follow me my maddened love will soon show whether this is a jesting matter or not mascari alone unhappy mascaril to what misfortunes are you condemned today for another sin end of act three